This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, December 9th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, local woman dies in crash on Norwood Hill. Telluride Community Vision nears finish line. Noel Knight brings snow and merriment to town. And a mountain weather forecast. Norwood lost a member of its community this week in a vehicle accident. Pamela Sims died after her vehicle left the road on Norwood Hill on Wednesday, December 8th. She was 56 years old. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, deputies were notified of a potential crash just before 9 p.m. The San Miguel County Coroner's Office says Sims appears to have lost control just past the Norwood Bridge on her way up the hill. The vehicle went over the edge and rolled multiple times, landing in the San Miguel River roughly 100 feet off the highway. Sims, the driver and sole occupant of the vehicle, was found inside, deceased. Her dog was alive and unharmed. The Norwood Fire Protection District responded to assist with recovering Sims. Colorado State Patrol is investigating the crash. The San Miguel County Coroner's Office is investigating the cause and manner of death. Sims is survived by her sisters, Cindy and Wendy, her father, Keith, and her children, Sophia and Oscar. The town of Telluride is one step away from having a community vision plan. We are really excited that this plan is nearing completion. That's Phil Taylor, planner for the town of Telluride, speaking at a special town council meeting this week. The town worked with Design Workshop to create the document. We've worked with a lot of people over the last several months to create a document that we are excited about. And we really think it will be helpful as we move forward with updating some other plans like master plan and the land use code. The vision is broken down into five chapters, a preface, introduction, discussion on community engagement, the future vision itself, and next steps. The vision is an umbrella showcasing where the community wants to be in the future. Within that vision are core values, principles, goals, and strategies and actions. Design Workshop's Allison Borkwin explains. Core values are what guide you towards that future. Um, The principles are some of the steps or elements of the plan. And then the goals and strategies really define the how. How will you move forward? Starting with the vision. The vision of where do you want to be in the future is a livable Telluride that will remain a sustainable, authentic, and connected community. We are a small mountain town that embraces and sustains distinctive natural setting, advances its reputation for innovation and cultural heritage, and remains true to its roots as a livable and genuine community for future generations of residents, workers, and visitors. Jessica Garrow, also with Design Workshop, highlights the core values as sustainable, authentic, and connected. She notes the principles are the guideposts for the vision. So housing, economy, infrastructure, environment, and community. And there's an aspirational statement that's tied to each one of those. Within those principles are a number of goals, including increasing diversity of housing to promote a mix of home sizes and price points, encouraging a diversified year-round economy, promoting community health and safety, Encouraging policy and programs to support climate adaption and increasing and celebrating diversity in the population. While the document is a town document and vision, Councilmember Adrian Christie urges the community to take ownership of the values and goals within it. And it's not the town that can really do it, but we want 
business owners, we want leaders in our community to see what the vision is to be able to look at that bullet and say, oh, this applies to me. Like I should be working on this. The Town Planning and Zoning Commission already adopted the vision document, but Town Council still had a number of edits and suggestions. Design Workshop will go back and make those adjustments. Town Council plans to discuss and vote on adapting the vision plan at its meeting in January. The snow was just the thing to get holiday shoppers at Telluride's Noel night into the spirit this week, and it came down in thick and glorious flakes, holding aloft the amber glow of the street lamps and shop windows along Colorado Ave. In a long-running annual tradition, retailers stay open late on the first Wednesday of December, serving up the best deals of the holiday season. Early in the evening, owner of Jagged Edge, Eric Dalton, says shoppers can find deep discounts either by picking a number out of a boot or turning out some pull-ups on the store's pull-up bar. And you can get there either by pulling out of a boot or 2% per pull-up if you're feeling frisky. It gets real crazy here, probably from 5.30 on, but we're going to stay open until people stop shopping tonight. So, Walking out of Jagged Edge, Telluride resident Kathy Green carries a prized new purchase. Oh, I found a great deal, and here I got 25% off, and I was getting new binoculars, so it was really a good deal. I'm very happy. Green says it wasn't the pull-ups that got her the goods, but drawing a lucky number, with some credit to her late husband, Chuck Kroger. No, I flunked pull-ups in sixth grade. I don't know if I've ever done one, but I just was lucky in my draw. But maybe Chuck was helping me with pull-ups up in the sky. I don't know. He could do a lot. Meanwhile, juniors at the Telluride High School, Zofia and Pippa, say their best shopping advice is to not think too hard or long. I think impulse. Yeah, impulse. Impulse buying for sure. Definitely. Just go in and buy whatever you can. Yeah. You're not going to buy it later. <laughs> Thank you. With the holidays ahead and the ski area open, town is slowly emerging from the quiet of the fall shoulder season. As the night goes on, the streets begin to fill. Molly Tice says this Noel night is her first. It's so good to be here and see like all of your friends out on the streets. I've also never been to the vast majority of these stores and it's cool to check them out. I'm in a new place with new people and it's like, yeah, a new community, a new sense of home and family and it feels really good. Kathy Green, reflecting on what makes this holiday season unique, says she feels the world emerging from what has defined so much of life for the last three years. Well, we're out and about a little more and hopefully um, we're not gonna have a rude surprise in three weeks. I'm very hopeful that we've turned the corner on um, COVID, we'll always live with it, always need to be careful with it, but maybe it's not gonna devastate us anymore. So I'm hopeful about that. Tyra Lindell, in town from North Carolina visiting her son, says that while this holiday season feels different, it's not quite, for her, a return to normal. Instead, she looks ahead with hope. I think in light of the history of the last three years that I think we've made it simpler and more meaningful with more love, kindness, giving to those who need it. And that's what it's generated to be. And that's what I'm hopeful for. In Elks Park, a small crowd takes a rest from shopping and gathers to see the lighting of Telluride Ski Tree. In the blue darkness, thick with drifting snow, the tree is lit, and the holiday season 
begins. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. This week on A Day in the Life of a Minor, Telluride High School's Finton Cole is stepping away from local sports and looking national with a pro sports update. This is Finton Cole on your pro sports update. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers got a huge win against the New Orleans Saints 17-16, going 6-6, but the Broncos lost to the Ravens 10-9, going 3-9. The Quebec Nordiques Colorado Avalanche beat the Sabres 6-4, lost to the Bruins 5-1, lost to the Flyers 5-3, and also lost a home game against the Bruins 4-0. They have a home game against the New York Rangers on Friday night and travel to St. Louis at noon on Sunday. The Chicago Blackhawks won their road game against the New York Rangers 7-2, but lost their road game against the Islanders 3-0. They had a road game against the New Jersey Devils and lost 3-0 again. They have a home game against the Winnipeg Jets Friday evening and a home game against the Capitals Tuesday evening. The Calgary Flames won their home games against the Washington Capitals 5-2 and against the Arizona Coyotes 3-2. They faced the Minnesota Wild and won 5-3. They have road games against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Montreal Canadiens. That's it for this week. I'm Fintan Cole reporting live from Telluride High School, and we'll see you next week. In this installment of Eyes to Ears, Telluride High School's Bella Eatment gets a bit abstract. Have a listen. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Eyes to Ears, a Cut Oak program where I, Bella Eatman, describe paintings I see in multiple art galleries and maybe possibly interview local artists? Question mark? However, today we will speak of the painting known as Permeations of Light by Dan Gundrum. Just a few days ago, I encountered this piece in the Slight Grey Art Gallery, which was practically the first piece that caught my attention. It was one piece in a two-parter along with Reflections of Light. Unfortunately, we will only be able to talk about Permeations of Light today. I still hope you enjoy it either way. This is an abstract painting, therefore, in order for me to describe this painting to you, I feel it would be best to describe what I think the process for making the, this piece was. Now, imagine a canvas with eight sides, an octagon, but shaped to be in a more equilateral triangle fit. Now take a sponge or rag you would use to paint with and dip it in red or orange paint. Now, with your sponge or rag, you dab the paint onto the canvas, making sure to cover the whole surface with bright red and flaming orange paint in a sort of pulse-like pattern. At this point, have no knowledge of how else to describe it. Perhaps I will learn later on. Anyway, have you covered your canvas? Excellent. Now, if you have a white spray paint can, grab that and give it a good shake and spray a nice, thick and fuzzy horizon line. 
but the canvas, twist, is upside down. No problem, let's just let the paint drip down, or possibly up. Then you get a normal, possibly two inch paintbrush and absolutely drench the brush in a dark orchid colored paint. Now for this, you'll have to have the canvas at an angle where the edge you drag the paintbrush along is at the top. And thus you drag the brush along that edge and let the paint drip down and closer to the center. And just do that for all the sides. Recenter your canvas and add the finishing touches of silvery white paint dragged along the top and bottom corners of the painting, letting that itself also drag itself toward the center with just gravity alone. That was a long one, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. I don't have much to say about how I felt about it, as much as I don't have, to have much to say about it. It absolutely does not mean that I disliked it. I felt a sense of astonishment and amazement. I certainly felt a strong interest toward this piece even. Even so, I hope you are sure to take care of yourselves, however you can. So please have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm Bella Eatman, and this has been Eyes to Ears on Kodo. A benefit of living in Telluride in Mountain Village is their walkability. If you live in town, you may not even need a car. And if you have one, where do you park it? This week, the town of Mountain Village announced a new long-term parking option at the airport. Mountain Village recently entered into an agreement with the Telluride Regional Airport to lease Lot R, adjacent to the airport, for parking. The lot can accommodate up to 200 vehicles. Mountain Village residents can purchase a seasonal permit for $50 with proof of residence in the village. Oversized vehicles that use more than two spaces will be charged double. Mountain Village officials note camping is prohibited and RVs will only be allowed as storage. Permit applications and hang tags will be issued by the Mountain Village Police Department. The town will offer shuttles for residents to and from Lot R on Mondays only. Four states along the Colorado River are getting closer to finalizing details of a program to pay water users to conserve. KUNC's Alex Hager has more on plans from Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico. The Upper Colorado River Commission is asking for $125 million to incentivize conservation. That could mean paying a farmer not to grow a thirsty crop or a city to reduce its demand. The money comes from the Federal Inflation Reduction Act. This program is a reboot of another payout program that began in 2015. The goal is to prop up the river's reservoirs, which are currently at historic lows. Chuck Cullum directs the commission. I'm reluctant to speculate on how many folks are able and willing to participate given the water stress people are experiencing in the upper basin. Cullum says the program will discourage water profiteering and will set the price for payouts on a case-by-case -case basis after reviewing proposals from growers. It still needs approvals from the Biden administration and Congress. I'm Alex Hager. 
those visiting public lands have become increasingly familiar with the website recreation.gov. That's used for many things like reserving a camp spot or purchasing a backcountry permit. But some are claiming the company managing that site is pulling a ticket master with public lands access. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Justin Higginbottom of KZMU reports. To visit Arches National Park in Moab, Utah this year, most were forced to use recreation.gov to reserve a time slot to enter the park. That was part of a pilot program to limit crowds. That reservation was free, but included a non-refundable $2 processing fee. The fee isn't enough to ruffle the feathers of most visitors, especially if they assume that money goes to the park service. But the thing is, it doesn't. The varying processing fees at recreation.gov are charged by Booz Allen Hamilton. That's a billion-dollar beltway contractor known for securing lucrative spying contracts. It's the company that once employed Edward Snowden, and they won the 10-year, $182 million contract to manage recreation.gov in 2017. During Arch's reservation pilot program from April through October, the park validated 219,000 vehicles through their entrance. That's nearly $500,000 in fees that went to Booz Allen, over a fifth of the park's entire budget of the year. Consider Thomas Kotob's feathers ruffled. I would say clearly the American people or visitors to a national parks in this way are being terribly ripped off, paying an incredible amount of money for a service that's worth much less. Kotab is an electrical engineer living in Nevada, and one day he noticed a similar $2 processing fee to secure a timed entry reservation for Red Rock Canyon. That's a Bureau of Land Management area near Las Vegas. Finding out why his public lands were no longer free put him on a mission. The devil is in the details, and once you try to get into it, it's uh, an insane amount of work. Kotab doesn't have legal training, and English isn't his first language. He's an immigrant from Germany by way of the former Czechoslovakia. But he began poring over the legalese of things like the 2005 Federal Lands Recreation Enhancement Act. That act authorizes the collection of fees for use of public lands. It says these third-party processing fees must be, quote, reasonable. And Kotab doesn't think the $2 to enter Red Rock Canyon is. In fact, he says the BLM has been able to manage the area for far less than what Booz Allen collects to just run the website. For the past decade, we have been able to manage this Red Rock National Conservation Area for a half a million uh, dollars every year, and they have collected about three million uh, dollars in uh, fees, in these recreation fees every year. He collected 2,600 signatures protesting that fee, and then he sued the BLM in 2020. His main argument in that suit was that the BLM failed to provide a public notice for the fee. Matt Stoller, director of research at the Economic Liberties Project, sees these Booz Allen charges as part of ever-expanding junk fees in the country. Those are the often hidden charges that come with a purchase. For example, that annoying Ticketmaster service fee that appears at checkout. I think that you have a situation here where Booz Allen and the government are facilitating the charging of these junk fees to access you know, what, what is our lands and water, our federal lands and waters. In October, the White House actually called on agencies to help reduce these hidden charges, which have grown over the years. 
Airline baggage and change fees totaled $5.97 billion in 2021. Stoller notes that sometimes people are charged a fee at recreation.gov, multiple times even, without being able to access an area. For example, to see the wave rock formation in Arizona, you need to enter a lottery. That costs $9. Without any guarantee, you'll get a permit. And so you have people who have to enter the lottery multiple times. There's one group that, that spent $500 on lottery tickets, essentially, before they finally got a permit. So the $7 that they paid for the permit goes to the park, and the $500 they paid for the lottery went to Booz Allen. Katab's lawsuit against the BLM was eventually thrown out after the agency made a public notice of the new fee. So far, the only thing it has led to was that for four months we didn't have to pay the fees. But he's not done. He currently has a complaint with the Interior Board of Land Appeals. Until then, he's begrudgingly paying $2 every time he enjoys the 13-mile scenic drive of Red Rock Canyon. Justin Higginbottom, Rocky Mountain Community Radio. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around 15 degrees. Saturday should be sunny during the day and partly cloudy at night. The high is near 40 with a low around 25. Sunday, expect partly cloudy skies with a high near 40 degrees. Sunday night, there's a 40% chance of snow showers with mostly cloudy skies and a low in the mid-20s. Winds could gust as high as 35 miles per hour. This has been the news for Friday, December 9th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.